Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder, if you've not already, please be sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast, depending on your software, to make sure you never miss an episode. You can subscribe with Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives, among others. Also, remember as you are traveling to check out johnnydollarair.com. johnnydollarair.com is our Priceline affiliate link. So when you fly, you can uh, or rent a car or a hotel room. Part of the purchase price can go to support the great detectives of old time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember, uh, when th- uh, making travel plans, check johnnydollarair.com first. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. And this week, we're bringing you an episode uh, that we did not have the first time we went through the John Lund episodes. Now, it was a story that was done by Edmund O'Brien, but we haven't had the John Lund version till now. There are a few issues with the sound, nothing that's too bad, but uh, do be advised of that. But now let's go ahead and listen to this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air date, June 29th, 1954, and the title is The Arthur Baldrick Matter. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, John Lund as... Johnny Dollar. Hello, Mr. Dollar. This is Dr. Carth. Yes? Sergeant Wright had to go back to his office and ask if I'd call you. Oh, the Baldrick shooting. I'm sorry, I understood that Dr. Stone was on the case. Well, we've uh, both been attending uh, Baldrick. Uh-huh. Well, what's his condition now, Doctor? Well, he's improved some, but he'll be lucky to live. We gave him three blood transfusions this afternoon, and this evening he regained consciousness. Was Sergeant Wright there at that time? Yes. Did Baldrick say who shot him? No, he wouldn't talk about it. He said he didn't remember, but he was lucid when he arrived. Oh? Uh, when do you think I can see him? Well, that's why I called, Mr. Dollar. You can see him this evening. Sergeant Wright hopes that since you aren't a police officer, perhaps Baldrick will talk to you. Well, I can try. I'll be there in about 45 minutes. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you John Lund in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly... Johnny Dollar. Friends, the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum present these weekly adventures of Johnny Dollar because they know that millions of you enjoy Johnny Dollar. That's true of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, too. It's enjoyed by millions, day in and day out. People find that chewing on a smooth, delicious piece of Wrigley Spearmint gum somehow makes time pass more pleasantly. Whether you're working, driving, shopping, or just taking things easy, that good, tasty chewing gives you enjoyment and satisfaction. So always keep a package of Wrigley Spearmint chewing gum handy. And whenever you want a refreshing, delicious treat, chew a stick. You'll like it. You really will. (laughs) 
expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Corinthian All Risk Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Arthur Boldrick matter. Expense account item one, $2.30, cab fare for my apartment to the emergency hospital. I uh, wouldn't stay with him too long, Dollar. All right, Doctor. Just a few minutes. You'll be able to tell when he tires. Well, Baldrick, how are you feeling now? I don't know. Oh, you're coming along fine. This is Mr. Dollar. He represents your insurance company. Hello, Mr. Baldrick. I'm sorry about what happened. Yeah. Mr. Dollar wants to ask you a few questions. I've told him not to stay too long, but if you feel tired, you can tell him to leave. I'll drop by to see you later. You think I'm going to die? Is that why you're here? No, no, of course not. I just have some questions to ask you. Yeah? You still live at the same address? Yeah. Still with your second wife? Yeah. Her name is Velma. That's right. These may seem like unimportant questions, but I wanted to find out if there was any change in your status between the time you took out the policy and the time of the trouble. Everything was the same. Mm -hmm. It was a man who shot you. Yeah. Somebody I never saw before that I can remember. I, I, I don't know what happened. Do you remember where you were when you were shot? It was in the backyard near the garage. I... I was right by the garage door, and this guy come around from the alley, and... What did he say to you? Well, he was after the car keys. I had them in my hand. He made a grab for him and said, give me those keys or something like that. I gave him a push, and that's when he shot me. Up to then, I didn't even know he had a gun. You didn't see him when he asked for the keys? No, if I'd have saw it, he could have had the keys. I, I don't fight no man with a gun. What did he look like? Well, that's one of the things I don't remember too good. It happened so fast. He, he he was wearing, like, overalls or something. What color? Blue, it seemed like, only faded. Could have been shirt and pants, too. It was awful fast. There he was. Then it happened. Yeah. Well, what else about him? Well, that's about all. I think he was sort of dark, but I, I don't think I even know him for sure. If I saw him again, maybe I would. Maybe you'll remember more if you try harder. Well, I will. I, I think that policeman was kind of sore at me because I couldn't remember when he talked to me, but it, it just sort of came back to me when I had time to think. I... I Figured this guy, whoever he was, was in trouble or something and just needed a car in a hurry. But he didn't take the car keys. Well, I figured he lost his nerve. Velma come running out. She heard the noise. We'll wheel her from next door. This guy was gone when they got to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't bother you any longer, Mr. Bodick. Mister, do you think they'll let my wife come see me tonight? I'd sure like to see her. Well, I don't know, but 
I'll ask Dr. Carf on the way out. See you later, Mr. Bogan. Give him a double injection and then check with me later. Oh, how'd you make out, Dollar? Well, he was in some pain when I left, but he seems pretty strong, Doctor. Well, quite probably a temporary condition. He lost the use of his right lung during the last war. Wound and complications. Considerable damage was sustained by the other lung this afternoon. Obviously, the question is whether or not that one will stop functioning, too. He wanted me to ask you if his wife could see him. I guess not, huh? Oh, hardly. I'll go in and tell him. Did he give you any information? Well, it doesn't seem to be worth much. Some man he didn't know and could barely describe. I'll be checking with you in the morning on his condition, Doctor. I've got to go phone Sergeant Wright. I made my report to the sergeant and a search was started for a dark man dressed in faded blue work clothes and possibly armed with a twenty-five caliber pistol or revolver. It was only seven o'clock, barely dusk, so I decided to go out to the Baldrick home. It was a single-story, run-down house in a neighborhood we Hartfordians choose to call an older part of town rather than a slum. His wife was a work-worn woman who looked older than her 34 years. She led me into the backyard and showed me the garage and the spot where her husband had lain. It was there. But nobody was in sight when you got out here? Uh-huh. I didn't see nobody. Neither did Will Wheeler. Yeah, your husband mentioned him. He lives next door. Yeah, that house. Well, then this man must have run down the alley. Does the alley open onto a street at both ends of the block? Yeah, it runs clear down to Lawrence and up to about Cedar the other way. Well, I should think that most of the people in the neighborhood here would be home at the time he was shot, wouldn't you? I should think so, yeah. Hmm. Then the police will probably find somebody who saw this man running down the alley. You'd think somebody saw him, but most people... Wilma, is everything all right? Yeah, Will. It's all right. Nobody's bothering you and you don't feel like it. You just tell me. It's all right, Will. He's from the insurance. My name is Dollar. You must be Mr. Wheeler. That's right. I don't think nobody ought to be bothering Velma in the middle of all this trouble. Well, I wanted to meet her and ask a few questions, that's all. I'm through now. Then you go in the house, Velma. Try to get some rest. If it's all right, then. Sure it is, Mrs. Baldrick. Thank you very much. All right. I guess I couldn't help very much. This has got her in pretty bad shape, finding art like that. Then they won't let her go see him. How is he, you know? Oh, pretty bad. I saw him a little while ago. Was he making sense? Well, he seemed to be. Before the ambulance picked him up, he was kind of off. All he could say was some guy shot him, but he didn't know. Something about the car keys. Yeah, that's what he told me, too. Well, this is a rotten neighborhood. Did you hear me? It's full of rotten people. He isn't going to die, is he? They don't know. You didn't tell Velma that, did you? No, I didn't, but I think somebody should before she reads it in the papers. One of the dangers is a wound he got in the war. Yeah, in the lung. Well, the two slugs he took this afternoon may take care of the other lung. Oh, I didn't think it was as bad as that. I guess maybe I better tell her. I've been a friend of Art's for a long time. 
I'll see you later, Mr. Dollar. As I left the neighborhood, I noticed two police cars, so I knew Sergeant Wright's men were at work. I was in his office a little later when two of the men brought a witness in. This is Mr. Dollar, Mrs. Cole. How do you do? Mrs. Cole, it was nice of you to come in. Well, I thought it was my duty. The other policeman wanted to know if I was in my backyard near the alley when there was that shooting, and and I was. Uh, How far from the Baldrick house do you live, Mrs. Cole? Oh, there's two houses between theirs and where I live. Those policemen told me they were looking for somebody who saw a man running down the alley. Well, I've got a garden out back, and that's where I was when I heard the shots. Now, I didn't see no man running, but I saw a car come from that way. Which way do you live from the Baldricks, Mrs. Cole? Down from them. South, it is. Uh, did you recognize this car? No, no, I didn't. I, I didn't see the man in it either, but it came from that way. Did you see anybody else in the alley at the time? No. At first, after I saw the car, I thought it was backfires. But then when I heard about the trouble, I remembered the car. Uh, was the car traveling fast or slow? Oh, about medium, I'd say. They can't go too fast in the alley on account of the chuck holes. Uh, what color was it? Tan or brown. I don't know much about what kind it could be. I, I think you'd call it a sedan. Anything else, Stella? No, not right now. Uh, the officers you came with will want to ask you a few more questions, and then they'll drive you home, Mrs. Cole. I want to thank you very much. I hope I've been some help. Good night, Mrs. Cole. Good night. Uh, nothing fits, Stella. Three witnesses on the other side of the Baldrick's place swear they would have seen anybody running in the alley at that time. And this one says she saw a car leaving. Well, it's still early. I guess we'd better phone the hospital and find out if we can see Baldrick. Yeah. I'll put an alarm out on a brown or tan sedan, and then I'll call. Hello, Baldrick. How are you feeling now? Not so good. How come they tell me I'm not strong enough to see my wife and then they let you guys come in? I want to see her. Well, only be a few minutes. We thought you'd like to know what we've found out about the shooting. Sure I would. What? Enough to make us wonder if you're telling the truth about what happened. I don't get you. Three witnesses who live in your block say that a man didn't run down the alley after the shooting. Well, I can't help what they said, can I? But another witness said she saw a car drive away. The more people we question, Baldrick, the less possible it seems that this man you talk about could have shot you. These people would have no reason to lie. So, we've come back to you. You, uh, haven't been telling the truth, have you? Why should I do anything else? What about this car that drove away? I didn't see any car. I don't know anything about it. You've been evasive about this from the beginning. You told me you couldn't remember. But you've had time to think before Dollar got here, and you gave him the story about this man. We think you're protecting whoever shot you, Mr. Baldrick. Oh, that's crazy. We want you to tell us who it was. I can't tell you. I don't know. (laughs) You won't tell us who was in the car? Leave me alone. (sighs) All right, Baldrick. If you want to protect whoever tried to kill you, I guess it's your business. But we'll find out who it was. Wait a minute. I deserve to get it. That don't make any difference to you, but it does to me. I don't want to hurt anybody anymore. That's why I won't tell you. Take it easy, Mr. Bowden. There was only one way to stop me from hurting people. What were you doing? My ex-wife. You were still seeing her? I guess there was only one way to stop me, but I was hurting her husband and my wife and my friend. (laughs) 
Was her husband in the car, Baldrick? I think we better call the doctor. Was her husband in the car? Yes, but I don't want to hurt him anymore. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have questioned him. I'll call Dr. Carr. <laughs> Friends, no matter what kind of work you do, there are bound to be times when the job seems monotonous. You feel tense and restless, and you need something to give you a boost. Well, you'll be surprised how helpful a stick of Wrigley Spearmint chewing gum can be at times like that. You see, chewing on a smooth piece of Wrigley Spearmint gum is a natural way to ease tension and relieve that feeling of restlessness. The easy chewing gives you satisfaction. You get a nice little lift out of it. And Wrigley's Spearmint Gum tastes good, too. Its flavor is lively, refreshing spearmint, a flavor millions enjoy. Try it and see for yourself. Get a few packages of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum and chew a stick from time to time while you work. Chewing this delicious gum will make your job seem easier and pleasanter. It really will. And now, with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. With Arthur Baldrick nearing the point of death, the next move was obvious. To bring in the man he'd accused and arrange a formal identification and accusation. Sergeant Wright called two other officers to stand by the hospital and, in case we were too slow, get a deathbed statement. Then Wright and I left. The dying man's first wife, Anna, had married a man named Thomas Hood. We found their house in a slightly more desirable neighborhood, but not too far from where the Baldricks lived. Yes? Are you Mrs. Hood? Yes. Here you are. Police, Mrs. Hood. Is your husband at home? No, he's out of town. What's the matter? I think we'd better come in and talk to you, then. What do you want with me? We want to talk to you about Arthur Baldrick. What did he do? He was shot this afternoon. Now, may we come in? All right. This is Mr. Dollar. He's an insurance investigator. Mrs. Hood? Art is dead? No, but he's not expected to live. Why did you come here? Oh, we just left Baldrick a short time ago. He told us your husband shot him. No. No, he didn't. You said your husband was out of the city, Mrs. Hood. When did he leave? This afternoon. Why did he leave? He went on business. He's a salesman and he's out of town. He couldn't have shot Art. What time did he leave? It was this afternoon. I... Think about four or so. He left this house about four? I think that's when it was. Boldrick was shot a little after 5.30, between then and a quarter of six. Is your husband's car a sedan or a coupe or what? A sedan. What color? Tan. A sedan driven by a man and described as brown or tan was seen leaving the alley near where Boldrick was shot. It was seen a few seconds after the shots were fired. No. No, no, he didn't do it. You'd better sit down, Mrs. Hood. Come on. He didn't shoot him. I swear he didn't. I swear it. You mean your husband approved of your seeing Baldrick? He didn't. 
Who told you that? Baldrick. My husband didn't know. I know I was wrong. I shouldn't have seen Art. That doesn't make any difference, except my seeing him didn't have anything to do with whatever happened. Tom didn't shoot him because he didn't know about it, and he mustn't know. He mustn't find out. In spite of what you thought, it looks like he did know. Where is he, Mrs. Hood? We want to reach him tonight. I won't tell you. He didn't have anything to do with it, and I can't let him find out about Art and me. Mrs. Hood, according to the doctors, Baldrick won't live through the night. This is going to turn into a murder case. What we say to your husband about you isn't important in the least. Very few things are when it's murder. He didn't know. He didn't have anything to do with it. Baldrick told us your husband shot him. Now, if you won't tell us where he is, you must realize we'll just go to his company and find out. Now, where is he? I'm not sure. He's away so much, I don't pay any attention to where he's going. I think he said he was going to Boston first. When do you expect to hear from him? I don't know. Sometimes he phones, but never the first day out. Usually to say he'd have to stay out longer than he expected to. Yeah, we have to have more than that. We'll get in touch with his company. I, I wish you'd listen to me once more. Now, I tell you, Tom didn't do it. If you talk to him, all you're going to do is bust up our lives. That's all you're going to do. Yeah, then I guess that's what we'll have to do. You ready to go, Dollar? By the time we got back to the hospital, Arthur Baldrick was dead. He had made a deathbed statement, and again had named Thomas Hood as the man who had shot him. While Sergeant Wright went to work on locating Hood, I stopped by the Baldrick house. It was the next-door neighbor, Will Wheeler, who let me in. I got a lot of drinks down there, and she finally went to sleep. I don't know what kind of shape she'd be in if you woke her up. Well, I won't bother her then. Her husband died about an hour ago. Oh. Old Art. I'm going to miss him. He had a lot of faults. Everybody knew about those, I guess. But there were a lot of good things about him, too. Hardly anybody knew about them. Uh, any more on the guy that killed him? Well, Baldrick changed his story. He finally told us Tom Hood had shot him. Tom Hood? Anna's husband? Yeah. I don't get it. Don't get what? His holding to one story and then changing it. Well, the first one didn't hold up. The police could find plenty of people who would have seen a man running away, but nobody that did. But a woman saw a car that checked with the one Hood drives. I guess you knew about Baldrick and his ex-wife. Yeah, but I still don't see why he told the first story and then changed it. No, I don't either. He said he deserved to get shot, that he'd hurt a lot of people and there was no other way to stop him. He said he didn't want to hurt Hood anymore. And that's why I didn't say it was him. That's what I mean about the bad side of him and the good side. Did his wife know about Anna? I'm not sure. It's a cinch. I never told her. I... Oh, you think he told that first story to keep her from finding out? Well, it could be. The police will call her in the morning. When she hears about it, tell her there are some insurance papers for her to sign with him. I'll leave them now. The next morning, when I phoned Sergeant Wright at 10, things stood pretty much the same. Thomas Hood hadn't been located. He supposedly had left for Boston, where he was expected to check into the Royce Hotel. But he never reached there. The Massachusetts police were alerted, and we were sure that part of it was covered. I got to Wright's office at 10.45, and at 11.30, we were thrown a curve. My name is Mandel. 
I read in the paper this morning about the shooting out north yesterday. Yes. My friend said I was a fool for coming in to see you, but I work on radio repairs, and I delivered a set to some people in the next block that afternoon. What time did you deliver it, Mr. Mandel? About 5.30, a little after. I read how some woman saw a tan sedan going down that alley, and you were looking for it. Well, I'm pretty sure that was mine. You drove through the alley? Yes, I did. You sure of the time? Well, you can ask the people who own the set. Their name is Olsten, the next block. And you followed the alley through the next block? Yes, I did. Same way that dame said. But did you hear the shots? No. But I think I know why. That alley is bumpy, and I got a few loose bolts in the car, and it's pretty noisy. But the car that dame spotted was mine. I'm sure of that. Well, uh, thanks, Mr. Mandel. That's uh, very interesting information. It was interesting, especially in the face of Baldrick's deathbed statement. As far as we could see, Mr. Mandel had no reason to lie. Sergeant Wright and I went back over everything we had. When we'd finished, there were only a few points from which to start the investigation again. This is Sergeant Wright, Mr. Wheeler. Don't believe you've met. How'd he do? Hello. We hope Mrs. Baldrick's able to see us. Yeah, I think she's in pretty good shape. Why? Is anything new developed? Oh, we think so, Mr. Wheeler. Uh, where is Mrs. Baldrick? She's here in uh, in this way. I want to talk to you, Velma. This here is Sergeant... Uh... Uh, Sergeant Wright. Yeah. How do you do? How do you do? Hello, Mrs. Baldrick. I know it's late and we're sorry to disturb you, but... We want to cover this as quickly as possible. You know that your husband accused Thomas Hood of shooting him? Will told me. It was an important accusation, Mrs. Baldrick. Do you believe it? My husband said so. You knew about him and his ex-wife? No. Not till Will told me about what he said when he was dying. You're sure of that? I... He never talked about Anna. Well, in spite of the fact that your husband accused Hood right up to the time he died, it looks like Hood didn't shoot him. I thought... Why would he say it? Well, it must have been that he was trying to protect someone. But if you didn't know about him and Anna, he couldn't have been protecting you because you wouldn't have had any reason to kill your husband. So who do you think he was protecting, Mrs. Bolter? I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. I told so many stories, I don't, I don't get it. Well, the last story depended on a car. I told you about it. But it turned out not to be the one that Hood drove. Only one or two people could have really seen whoever killed Baldrick. We've covered the alley both ways. We've covered the houses across the alley where the killer could have slipped through. This house and yours, Wheeler, are the only ones we didn't bother to check. I can't do any more, Will. Well, now, wait a minute. I, I, I can't do any more. All right, Velma. All right, all right, all right. It wasn't my idea. I went as far as I could. It was his idea. Was it you he was protecting, Mrs. Bullock? Yes. It wasn't her fault. I mean, anyone would have done it. He drove her too far. Because of Anna? Because of Anna. What else? She's as much to blame as... Art couldn't stay away from her. But she could have made him stay away. Yesterday, with her husband out of town, it reached a peak. We all knew it would someday. You seem to know quite a bit about it, Mr. Wheeler. Yes. I'm in it, too. I lied along with Art and Velma. It's not Will's fault. 
He did it because he was a friend. He didn't lie. He just... Oh, I killed Art. That's what's important, isn't it? Yes, it is, Mrs. Borick. He was going to see her. He even told me. And I couldn't help what I did. I f followed him out and shot him. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry I killed him. Expense account item two, miscellaneous, $75. Expense account total, $77.30. Remarks? According to precedent, Mrs. Baldrick will probably get one of those widow's specials from 3 to 20 on second-degree murder. That should have her out of prison in a little over two years. As far as the company is concerned, I doubt if there is a claim payable. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Friends, next time you chew a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, notice how cool and fresh it makes your mouth feel. That's because Wrigley's Spearmint Gum has lots of lively, refreshing, real spearmint flavor in every stick. The minute you sink your teeth in, that cooling flavor begins to freshen your taste and relieve that hot, dry feeling in your throat. It sweetens the breath, too. Millions of people carry Wrigley's Spearmint Gum with them wherever they go for quick, long-lasting refreshment and for real chewing enjoyment. Next time you're at the store, get some Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Enjoy its refreshing flavor and good, pleasant chewing often, every day. Remember, that's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, stars John Lund in the title role and was written by Gil Dowd with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were Lou Krugman, Parley Bear, Jeanette Nolan, Tom Tully, Frank Nelson, Mary Lansing, Virginia Gregg, and Charles Calvert. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. This is Charles Lyon inviting you to join us again next week at the same time when from Hollywood, John Lund again transcribes his expense account as Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
Welcome back. Well, this was clearly written as an O'Brien script, but I think here it works perfectly well for Lund. The one thing I did find myself questioning a little bit is how Arthur Baldrick ended up with enough insurance that this would be a priority for the insurance company. Because generally they're acting on larger policies when they send Johnny out. Overall, I thought it was an interesting episode with a lot of complex motivations to uh, unravel. There is that sort of element of melodrama that you had in a lot of the O'Brien scripts, but I think it's played a little bit differently here. Uh, this aired uh, uh, more than three years after it was performed by Edmund O'Brien, and we played this episode actually in January of 2021, so this is a little less than two years ago we played the O'Brien version of that and I guess the difference in how long that was is in part due to the hiatuses that uh, Johnny Dollar went through and of course that unremitting enemy of the old time radio fan the lost episodes now we turn to listener comments and feedback Mary Ann emails a comment regarding the Sarah Deering matter uh, and she corrects me with, uh, Adam Gogo sing Vacation, not Cindy Lauper. Well, thank you so much for the correction. And I'll admit that when it comes to pop music knowledge, as the decades go on later, past the 40s and 50s, maybe a little bit into the early 60s, I kind of get uh, dumber and dumber about... <laughs> Uh, knowing this stuff and only know like a little uh, kernels of information. So I'm a font of ignorance when it comes to 80s pop music. And so I appreciate the uh, correction and I do stand corrected on that. I, I don't know why I thought it was Cindy Lauper, but now I don't. Again, thanks so much. And then we also received a message on Facebook showing his Spotify rap. And a screenshot showing that The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio was his top podcast. And I appreciate him sharing that. Now, for those of you who don't know, Wrapped is a feature of Spotify where they tell listeners music and a podcast, like what were the top songs and the top podcasts uh, that you spent your time listening to. Apple does something similar, but I don't think includes podcast. Now, this is a cool, cool tool to look at as a listener, you know, kind of find out what you've been listening to. It's a little odd since it's a year-end thing, but it comes out in November. But in one way, I guess that makes sense, because in December, you know, folks listening to Christmas music may skew like their yearly stats. Now, Jason's message actually spurred me on to check the podcaster version of this rap. Find out what insights I might come up with. I'll share a few of those, hopefully not too many. Now, I will say that coming into the year, it was a goal to increase the number of 
downloads I had coming off of Spotify. Since Spotify and Apple are pretty close one to competitors for favorite podcast software, but I was doing quite poorly on Spotify. For the first 11 months of last year, Spotify only accounted for a little less than 1% of my downloads. Uh, the first 11 months of 2022, they accounted for a little less than 2% of my downloads. So the percentage uh, essentially doubled from my host uh, perspective. Uh, in terms of the numbers, the fascinating thing is they totaled up the number of minutes that of content that I put on the feed, and it was 10,200 and 90 minutes, which is a figure that just kind of uh, boggles my mind. And it comes up to 171.5 hours of content or more than a week of content uploaded in the course of 11 months. They found that, and again, this is just of Spotify users, that we were listened to in 60 countries and our top five were the U.S. and Canada, which is normal, followed by Australia and the U.K. Usually those are reversed, like when you look at all platforms. And number five on Spotify was Poland. It said my most listened to episode this year was episode 2967 the first episode of Box 13, which also started season 11. And that got the most downloads because throughout most of the year, that was the earliest available episode on our feed, which goes back 1,000 episodes. Now, we are to the point where that's actually not going to be on our feed or in our, you know, in uh, podcast stores. You can still find it on the website, but in terms of what can go out and be syndicated, we're limited to a thousand episodes. So what episode is the earliest available on our feed? It's going to change pretty much every day. This was an interesting uh, one. They, they said that 90% of the people who listen to us in 2022 on Spotify had discovered us that year, but only 38% of those who listened to us on Spotify became followers. And this is kind of why I have been purging folks to subscribe. I've you know, heard podcasters doing that for like the last couple of years. And I always thought that this was unnecessary and that, you know, everybody who listened to podcasts was subscribed. And I think that, you know, was the case when I first started out back in uh, 2007, 2009, but is increasingly not. Certainly not on Spotify, and even on Apple, you know, we're having an increasing number of listeners who are not following the program. So that's kind of why I'm encouraging folks to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, in terms of Spotify stats, uh, they said that we've got an overall rating of 4.9 on uh, Spotify and that for uh, the year uh, on Spotify, we had 48% more hours listened to, 45% more followers, 42% more streams, and 16% more listeners than the previous years. 
I also mentioned that we did uh, land on the Spotify charts for three days and it got up to number 39 in the arts category. And that we had, uh, uh, you know, comparing the listener raps, we had 556 listeners for whom uh, we are their number one podcast, 1,702 for uh, whom we're in the top five, and 2,404 for whom we're in the top 10. So some intriguing numbers from Spotify, and thanks so much to everyone who listens on that app. It was an interesting look at how folks, you know, again, we're, we're limited in terms of how much the Spotify data means for the rest of the show, but how folks are listening to us, as well as where we're seeing some increases. So I'm excited for that, and I hope we're able to increase our listeners uh, there even more in the uh, years ahead. As well, of course, uh, on all the other apps. But Spotify, definitely, I think we continue to have some opportunity to add more listeners. All right, well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. I want to go ahead and thank Rosa and John, Patreon supporters since January 2020, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. And that will actually do it for today. As that whole conversation indicated, if you're not listening to the podcast, please follow or subscribe using your favorite podcast software. You can use, of course, Spotify, Amazon Music, at Amazon.com slash OTR Detectives, Overcast, or any other software you'd like. If you are enjoying this podcast, please be sure to rate and review it wherever you download this podcast from. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, but join us back here tomorrow for Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... Who's there? It's Eli, Nelly. Open up, quick. Eli? What you doing off the farm on a weeknight? Don't stand talking, Nelly. Let me in. Lock it. Lock the door. Eli, you're hurt. You got yourself in trouble, ain't you? Let me sit down. I got a wrist. A wrist. Nelly, put out the light. All right, Eli. What kind of trouble you in? I run all the way from the farm. All the way. I'm your sister, Eli. I got a right to know what kind of trouble. Nelly, I'm scared, Nelly. I'm scared bad. Oh, honey, don't. You sit right there. I'm going to get some water. I'll wash the blood off your face. Don't light the lamp. Don't you worry. There's some light from the street. I see pretty good in the dark anyhow. Hush, baby. I'm busy now. Now, this will hurt some, Eli. There. <laughs> You're a good sister, Nelly. She always was a good sister. Oh, still. You gonna tell me about it? Miss Dean. She dead. Miss Dean? Mr. Dean say I kill her. He come down to my shack. Say Miss Dean dead and I kill her. Say my coat was in the room where she's dead. He beat me, Nelly. You fight him? No. He's all right. I tripped him. He fell on the floor and I run away. All the way from the farm, I run. Eli, you ought to go to the shack. I can't. You know that. I go Eli, in the town. I know. I gotta I know. hide. I gotta hide fast. What good's that gonna do? They'll get you. They'll get you sure. I got to hide. A few days they don't find me, maybe I can get out of the state. Then they'll never find oh, me. Oh, they'll find you. I hope you'll be with us then. If you do have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.